Sorry, I set my money out there. I shouldn't have put that up, up there in the visible spot. Maybe I will hand it out. Who thinks I should hand out some money today? Maybe I will do that. All right, a couple of announcements first, though. Um, first of all, uh, Friendsgiving this year, I want to make this announcement uh, here at church because uh, we're changing, which we're actually not changing. We're going back to uh, our original Friendsgiving model. Uh, when we first got out of COVID, we came to the church, we did it in the building, and we had a, a Friendsgiving here. It didn't start that way. It started as a community-focused uh, event where we reached out to the community. A lot of people uh, move, they're transplants, they don't have a place to enjoy family or to enjoy Thanksgiving or to uh, feel welcomed and to be connected. And so it started out as something that we did kind of smaller and invited people from the neighborhood or people that were friends or family or that we'd gotten to know that didn't have anybody to do the holidays with. And so we're kind of going back to that this year because Friendsgiving here is fun, but it's gotten so packed, until we are in a different facility at least, it's gotten so packed that there's, that there's almost no community or fellowship. It's just loud, people on top of people, you can't get to food, you can't even talk at the tables, it's just gotten into kind of a madhouse. If you invite a guest to that that doesn't have a place of connection, they don't feel loved or cared for or seen, they just feel like they're part of like a big chaotic thing going on. And we want them to feel like seen and cared for, and so that that leads towards a chance to show them the love of Jesus. So what we're doing is taking it back to community groups and to host homes. So you can scan the QR code and find one in your area to go to, um, or there's also a way on there to say, hey, I would actually like to host one, because we have three community groups that are going to be hosting them and opening them up to kind of the people in their areas and then uh, that are not a part of a church. But you can also say, hey, I'd like to host one and invite people. So you can scan that for uh, becoming a part of that, either as attending a dinner, helping out with a dinner, or hosting one. And we just want to show God's love to the community and use that as a season for that heading into Christmas and bring more people to Jesus. So uh, this next one is our first uh, mission trip is coming up as a beat. Um, and so this is going to be in Guatemala. It's with an organization called Hope for Life, and they have been doing this for years they're in Guatemala, and they actually, the way that this mission trip works, uh, you're there for several days, and they do it, it's kind of like, you ever go to like a restaurant, and you don't know what you want to eat, and you're like looking around, you're like, man, I wish they just had a sampler. Anybody ever do that? Like, I wish I could just get like a group of things. Well, it's like that. It's a sampler mission trip. You go, and each day of the trip, they do something unique that's a certain type of mission work there in Guatemala. So like one day, you go and do, uh, you know, service in a hospital. Uh, with like uh, people that are, are in the local hospital. And another time you go and do a sports camp for kids in the middle of town. Another time you go to the orphanage. Another time you go to a place where there's people uh, that are going through disabilities and stuff. And this isn't the U.S., so we're not talking about like these wonderful facilities. I mean, these are people that are really uh, hurting and, and struggling. And going there, another time it's a hike up into the mountains and you go serve in the villages. So each day has a different type of mission work within the same geographical area. And then at night you come back and you stay actually at the uh, Hope for Life uh, compound uh, type place where you're going to be there at their center. And so that's where you sleep, eat and stuff. And then in the morning you get out and you go to wherever that next mission part's going to be. So all the information is there. You can scan it. Uh, for mission trips, this is a lot of money. But for mission trips, this is very, very uh, affordable mission trip. Because usually they're, if you've ever tried to go on one, they're two, dollars $3,000 pretty easily to go on a mission trip. Uh, Hope for Life has it uh, down. It's $950 to go. This isn't until June, so we're trying to give enough warning. Go mow some lawns, do whatever you can do to uh, get some money together to do this if you want to participate. Plus your airline ticket. Uh, Guatemala tickets you can actually get depending on when you're online looking. I've seen them as low as like $250 round trip. Um, and you can get them for, and, and as high as like 500 or, or maybe 600 depends on what day you're on there and you're looking. 
because uh, they always change the rates on the airlines. But if you watch over the next few months, you should be able to get tickets pretty cheap. And we'll get some information out on how to do some fundraising and stuff. We're not going to throw one big church fundraiser. Let's bow our heads and pray, and we're going to jump into uh, today's message uh, on blessings from heaven as we continue that. And we're going to get into a specific blessing that a lot of times I think gets missed in church and people forget about um, and don't really look at it as a blessing, but it is. And we're going to talk about why that's the case today. So, uh, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit to lead us into truth and to teach us and to care for us or to help us uh, to understand who you are. We pray it falls on good soil and brings us closer to you and to each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I did have money up here, and we talked last month all about uh, giving and testing God. And, you know, if you put money in, the Bible says that God, if you tithe, that God will open up the doors of heaven and pour out blessing that you can't contain. And obviously the first thing about that is I give, I'm going to give some money, I'm going to get some money. But when we're talking about blessings of heaven, heaven doesn't always bless the same way. But this is kind of, um, who knows what this is? Isn't this awesome, like a little teleporter gun? is that we think that kind of the way that God works is like this, is if we take and we put some uh, money in and we um, put a little bit in, then what should naturally happen, or at least what we've heard uh, on, online or on TV or on YouTube or whatever, is that you put money in and then more money comes out. <laughs> right? That's how God works. That's like the offering. Like, oh, look, and he gave me some back. Look, he gave me all this. And then he says, you know what, give me some more. And we go... Man, God, I don't know if I can give you more. And he's like, what are you telling us to do? He's like, okay, let me see. I'll give you one more back. So we're going to give him back one. We put it in there. And we're like, okay, I'll give one back. And then God just starts, and we're like, sweet. And then God's like, give me, give me back some money. Just give me one of those tens. And we're like, again? And God bless us. Fine, I'll give you one more back. And we kind of think this is the process. We're just going to keep rolling them in. And they are real. I'm surprised nobody's running up to grab them. But these are, no, he's these are all real. Church budget's just off the charts right now. We just said, let's do something fun. Let's just throw money out. And it just comes flying out. And we think that's the way it works. But here's the reality. It doesn't work that way for one. Uh, Ben's going to be the cleanup guy. This is awesome. Thank you, Ben. Um, now, if they try to spend these, they might go to jail. You should put a warning. I'm going to the Dollar Tree with one of these. I'm trying to buy myself 100 bags of chips this afternoon and just see what happens. Uh, it's that we kind of think of it that way. But the blessings of heaven, it's not all about money. And we say, yeah, I know, but money's great. Money is great. I do like to have some money. We all like to do that. But the blessing actually is not only not, there's some times in life where money actually is not only not a blessing that we need, it actually could be an insult to the blessing. Let me give you some examples. Uh, somebody gets sexually assaulted and the guy leaves or the lady leaves and the person's like, man, they just assaulted me. And the person says, look, sorry about that. Let me give you 100. Is that a blessing? That's an insult, right? That's a terror, like, hey, what are you talking about? Somebody loses a loved one and you're like, man, I know you're going through a hard time, but look, man, just don't worry about it. Let me give you 20 bucks, right? You think, oh, well, thank you. That solves the problem. Somebody just had a miscarriage and lost a baby and you're like, hey, man, I know you lost a baby, but let me give you 50. I'll take care of it. There's things in life that it doesn't matter. I was on, online, and a guy gave a great example. He's walking up to people in the street, one of these guys with a microphone and a camera, and he's going around. He's asking people. He says, hey, if I gave you a million dollars, would you be happy? Would you wake up tomorrow happy? Would you be excited? Do you think you could live joyfully and gratefully with, with a million dollars? Oh, yeah, of course. That would be awesome. I'll take it. And the guy's like, he says, you would. He goes, if I gave you a million dollars, you'd be happy. That'd make you happy. He's like, yeah, it'd make me so happy. He says, well, what if there was one condition on the million dollars? 
And he's like, okay, what's the condition? He goes, what if I gave you a million dollars and the condition was that I'm going to give you the million dollars today, but tomorrow you can't wake up? He says, would that be a good trade? Would you be happy? He's like, no. He's like, so what you're telling me is that waking up tomorrow is more valuable than the million dollars. And he's like, I guess. He's like, well, then why don't you already wake up happy? Because you already are waking up with something more valuable than what you're chasing after. So we put our eyes on money, but money is not always the thing that has the value. And so God, when he blesses us from heaven, he blesses us in all kinds of different ways. And one of the ways I'm going to talk to you about today that I believe that he actually blesses us with is grief. And I'm calling this message good grief, but not like my mom used to say it, actual good grief. And so this is why I believe that. Uh, Let's get into this. Uh, first of all, I want to answer the question, shouldn't a mature Christian always be positive? But shouldn't you be positive, though? Like, you're a Christian. You should be positive. You should be happy. You should be uplifted. Don't let the devil steal your joy. Anybody heard that before? Like, you're sad, you're down, something's happened. Like, don't let the devil steal your joy. Don't let that happen. Or uh, every cloud has a silver lining. Yeah, right before the lightning strikes and burns your roof down. <laughs> right? Every cloud has a silver lining. Don't worry about it. And we say these things. He works all things for good. You should be happy. He's working all things for good. Uh, my spouse just died. He works all things for good. And so we say these things. We throw them out there. You get a diagnosis of an illness, of cancer, or something else. He works all things for good. And we try to share our weakness or our hurt or our suffering or our pain, and somebody just jumps in, boom, with a great inspiration to pick us up and tell us that we're going to be okay and to do that. Well, we live in a world where the weak are devoured, whether you're a believer or not, if you show weakness, you get devoured. You get rolled over. You get rolled over at work. You get rolled over in the media. You get rolled over. Every, every, you just get rolled over if you show weakness, if you show struggle. Well, the church, in theory, is a little different, but we also oftentimes are in church environments that are the same. If you show weakness, you get ran over. My marriage is struggling. Whoa! Make sure they don't end up in any leadership role. They got a little bit. They argued. We heard about it. My kid's having a struggle. Oh, make sure that they don't have... Push them to the side. They, they showed weakness. And we create an environment where if there's any weakness going on, hey, I've been feeling discouraged or depressed. Rejoice. Today's the day of the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. It's a command, not a suggestion. Get up and rejoice. Right? And we say these things and we put people in this position where it's like now the best thing to do is I just got to show up and be ready. I'm rejoicing. I'm ready to go all the time. And so it creates this environment. And you know what? There's a biblical verse that's for that. Philippians 4, 6, we're a biblical church. Rejoice in the Lord. When? And just in case we didn't hear it the first time, I will say it again. Rejoice. So either the Bible's wrong, and we shouldn't always rejoice, or possibly once in a while what happens is that we interpret the Bible wrong, and we don't understand what it's actually saying, or we are actually just supposed to do this. No matter what happens in life, we're supposed to just turn around and smile. We're ready to go. We're so happy, and we got people right now in this church that are going, have gone through stuff in the last couple of years. We've got people. I mean, Matt was yesterday in the car accident. I saw him yesterday in a neck brace. Today, he just looks like a taller, inch taller person because his neck is positioned perfectly straight. Rejoice, Matt. Your car's broken down and gone and smashed and you almost died. Rejoice. 
He's going through that. We've got people that are going, the Tompkins a couple of years uh, went through cancer with their, with their child. It's like you show up at the hospital and see their child in there and, and their child's like in bed and hooked up to IVs and can't even move and you just walk in the room and say, hey, I'm here to visit. Hey, we're going in, we're gonna visit. But remember, we're believers. When we get in there, we gotta get them rejoicing, right? Just open the door and everybody's in there like, rejoice! Praise God! Praise the Lord, it's a good day. God's good all the time, all the time. God's good. Amen. And they're just sitting there going, what are you talking about? We've got people that have lost loved ones. I don't want to throw everybody on the spot, but we're a family, we're a church. Holden lost his dad not that long ago. Rejoice, Holden. Praise God, he's good. Praise God, he's good. All things for good, don't worry about it. Took out one dad, he's going to bring you a better one. If he shut one door, he's opening up a window. Hallelujah. And we can do that. This is kind of what Christian culture can be like. And so let's look at this verse. My belief is that it's been misinterpreted. And the reason that I believe that is what the words actually mean. And so everything's translated from original words to our words. And so let's look at this word rejoice. The actual word rejoice here is this word xairo. Uh, I don't know how to say xairo. Somebody else had to pronounce it. Better go for it. But here's where it comes from. The root word Czar is to be favorably disposed, leaning towards, and then the second part of the word, the Yaris, is grace. So what rejoice actually means is to be favorably disposed towards and leaning towards grace. In every situation, no matter what you're going through, no matter what's happening, it can be appropriate and comforting and good to lean towards God's grace. If I walk in and somebody's just won the lottery, I can say, man, lean towards God's grace. This is exciting. Lean towards God's grace. You're going to probably need it. Everybody's going to be calling you. Right? If I walk in and somebody's going through a loss of a loved one, do you know what? Do what? Lean towards God's grace. If I walk in, somebody found out they just got diagnosed with an illness, hey, lean towards God's grace. Right? It's talking about this awareness and this knowledge of leaning towards the goodness and the grace of God. It goes on to say properly it's used to say to delight in God's grace. It means to rejoice. Literally, so when we're talking about like practically, is to experience God's grace and favor, to be conscious and glad for his grace. I'm going through this, and I'm glad that I have God's grace. You know, I lost, I, my car broke down. I don't know how to make it to work, and I don't have any money to pay my bills. Man, I am glad for God's grace in my life. My marriage is struggling. I am glad for God's grace in my life and that I can lean into him for support and for strength. And so in this is the verse to say what the word means. In this real meaning, you can rephrase the verse to say, lean into God's grace and be glad that it's there for you always. And again, I tell you, in case you missed it, he says twice, to lean in to God's grace and to be glad for it all the time to do this. And we need that in our world. We need that in our lives. So what's this have to do with grief? Expressing grief requires, first of all, uh, humility. And we have to actually be humble about it, to lean in 
to say, I can't do this on my own strength, right, requires us to have some humility. So to grieve, to mourn, to weep, to turn your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom, humble yourselves, this is James, before the Lord and he will exalt you. So it takes, it doesn't say don't grieve and mourn, it says to grieve, to mourn, to weep, right? And then to become humble and let God exalt you and lift you up. So there's an, an admittedness that, you know, I'm leaning and falling, I can't hold up myself, I'm struggling. And we lean into God and then God lifts us up and he builds us up. I think that grief has a purpose in the world that God actually put in. Solomon, the most wise man that ever lived, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3, he writes this, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. I was listening to a Billy Graham thing the other day and he said, uh, death is, the, is a only 100% statistic. We all die. We all die. C.S. Lewis said that he's a, an author, writer, thinker, uh, wrote the Chronicles of Narnia and, and a lot of different things, and he said that he was talking about war because he's back during all the, the world wars, and we're starting to experience things like this. But he said, you know what? Death does not get increased by war because everyone dies. It might get sped up. The clock gets changed. But death doesn't get increased by war. We ignore it. We don't like to think about it, but everybody dies. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot. You plant things, and I got to pull it up. There's too much of this. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time. No, you know what? Let me encourage you. I'm not ready for that. I've got some. I got some dry rot. That's all right. We're gonna encourage you. No, I've got some like stuff in here that's like moldy and messed up. Don't, you, we're going to cover it. We're going to throw a nice veneer over the top of it. We're going to put some stuff down. We're going to put some sealing around the edges so nothing can ever get into that suffering and nothing can ever get out of that suffering. And by the time we're done, it's going to look like new and you're going to feel amazing. And anybody that comes in and out of this room will never know that that even happened. It's going to be awesome. Praise the Lord. God is good. Let's just thank him right now. We can do that. Meanwhile, somebody's living through life all this time, and underneath that surface is this suffering and this pain and this brokenness because they're trying to just build on top of something that needs to be torn down. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. God wants us to mourn. He gives us a time for it, a time to weep, a time to mourn, a time to go, well, why? Because this world sometimes is crappy. It's a broken, fallen world of sin, and sometimes it just stinks to wake up. Do I struggle with depression? Sometimes I wake up and I do wish I'm not awake. No, you're a human being. If you are a good human being, not a bad one, if you are a good human being, you will wake up some days in this world and look around and go, I don't want to be woken up today. If you wake up every day and look around at the absolute chaos, destruction, harm, abuse, abandonment, all the things going on in the world, and you wake up every day and every day, the only thing you can think of every day is, well, this is amazing. You're like the guy on the Lego movie. Everything's awesome. If you wake up like that every day, you're not human. You're not being real with yourself. 
But yet if somebody wakes up and they're going through a time, they say, man, I wake up sometimes and I feel like I don't even want to be awake. I, feel, I just want to go in my room and shut the door and close myself off from the world. And they're like, there's something wrong with you. Maybe there's something right with you. Maybe you got up and looked out your window and you saw, or you turned on your news, or you opened up your thing and you saw, and you're like, whoa, I think I just want to go to bed. People are like, well, quit watching the news. I don't watch a lot of news for that reason. But at the same time, I can turn off the news, and guess what? It's still out there. When I got married, if there's a burglar outside, somebody breaking my house, my wife says there's somebody outside trying to get in. I said, you know what? Close the blinds. Don't worry about it. Uh, no, it's happening. Do something. I don't want to do something. Remember, men and women are equal. You could FaceTime me if there's... Stay in here with the kids. Hun, go out there, please. Let me know what happens. You could FaceTime me if there's a problem. And we can do this. You can't just close it out because it's real. It's happening. And so maybe sometimes when we wake up and think things are bad, it's because things are actually bad. And it's okay to face that. It's okay to look at that reality. Grief brings blessing. How does it bring blessing? Blessed are those, this is Jesus' own words, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Well, how is that grief bringing blessing? Well, mourn, I'm going to get into it, but the word mourn means to grieve. But how does that bring blessing? He doesn't say blessed are those who are always saying everything's okay. Blessed are those who never struggle. Blessed are those who are always in a good mood. Blessed are those who are always happy. He doesn't say that. He's saying, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who will face the fact that there's a real problem and that they're dealing with something that's a struggle. Blessed are those ones, for they will what? Be comforted. Why? Because they've shared and opened up and said there's an issue. There's something going on. This hurts. This is painful. There's dry rot. There's unforgiveness. There's anger. There's bitterness. There's abandonment. Whatever's going on here is happening. There's stress. And to admit it and to talk about it, put it out there. Here's the word. Mourn and what it means. It means properly to grieve over a death, figuratively to grieve over a personal hope or relationship that dies. I had a hope for this. I had a desire for this. This didn't work out. For something to come to a divine closure, to come to an end. There's nothing you can do about it. Somebody that calls shots that's bigger than you has closed the door. Like there's nothing you've done. Yourself. You can't. It's divinely closed. It's over. You can't fix it. It refers to manifested grief so severe that it takes possession of a person and can't be hidden. To really grieve, what it's talking about, blessed are those who mourn. The word mourn there, this is the word. It means that you have allowed something that you're going through to become to a point where you are now expressing it to someone else. Going through a hard time. Going through a hard time. I'm struggling. I need help. Blessed are those who will let it come from the inside to the outside and share it so that they can be comforted. Well, what's the opposite? The opposite is bottling it up, holding it in, which leads to what? Anger, depression, fighting suicide, all kinds of things that are terrible. Isolation for the long term because it's bottled up. And he's saying, you know what? Let it out so that healing can come. Put it out so we can get healing. There was a guy that was uh, in Guatemala. Actually, he was a, like a farmer that farmed, and they farm up these side hills where you kind of go up the side and you put your foot up, and then you 
whack with this big like machete and then you cut down some crops and you stick your foot up and you're like balancing, you're cutting, you're balancing, you're cutting and you balance and he cut and he bammed right into his leg. He had boots on, but they don't really have hospitals where he was at. It's a true story. A friend of mine, John, was, uh, his dad's a missionary over there for a long time. And so what did he do? He just tightened the shoelaces on his boot. Never took his boot off. Didn't want his foot to fall off, and he didn't want to see what happened. He just tightened it up. By the time the mission people found him, his whole leg was gangrene, infected, messed up. Because he didn't want to open it up and see what was going on. Let it out. But if he had opened it up, shown somebody what was going on, they could have helped him and saved it. Could have helped him. So we have to open up and be able to let this thing come out so people can touch it and people can actually help us. The Center for Loss says it this way, that there's a vital role of mourning and grief. It says, mourning means to express your grief outside of yourself. Mourning is crying, talking to other people about the death, sharing stories, putting together photo albums, journaling, and other actions. It's specifically talking about death, but grief itself can involve a lot of things. The loss of a job, the loss of a hope, the loss of a relationship, the loss of, of, of being supported or cared for by someone else, the loss of innocence because of abuse. It could be for a lot of reasons. It says the other actions. Mourning is essential because it's through mourning that you begin to heal. And so the world says, get up and move on, get up and move on. Sometimes the church says, get up and move on, get up and move on. But Jesus said, and this is why I say it's a blessing from heaven, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. In other words, he's saying, stop. Stop the circus. Stop the crazy. Stop everybody being fake. Stop. I didn't come down from heaven to have everybody high five about stuff that's going on that's terrible. Stop. You're blessed if you mourn. You're blessed if you take the boot off and let someone work on your foot. You're blessed if you get it out and ask for healing. That's why I'm here. Jehovah Rapha, what? The God who heals. I'm here to heal. But you got you to be willing to take off your boots. You got to be willing to show me that something's going on. You got to be willing to talk to each other. Grief frees us from false peace. It's another reason that it's a blessing. John 14, 26, 27, it says, But the Comforter, even the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said unto you. Now listen to this. Peace I leave with you. So first he says the Holy Spirit comes to comfort us, to help us. The word comfort also means to be an advocate. He comes to be an advocate, to be on our side, to comfort us, to hold us up. And he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Now check this out, not as what? The world gives. How does the world give peace? The world gives peace superficially and externally. Going through a hard time, how about a drink? Going through a hard time, how about we go on a vacation? Going through a hard time, how about we just go to the spa? Going through a hard time, how about we do this? How about sit down and watch a movie? How about we have a show? How about, it's external. His peace isn't that way. His peace is internal and it's lasting. It's meant to come inside and deal with what's going on. He says, I give this to you. Let not your heart be troubled or neither let it be fearful. Well, he comforts and he brings peace when we come out and say, I'm mourning, I'm struggling, I'm having a hard time because those are the ones he says receive comfort. So then the Holy Spirit says, great, I'm gonna come comfort you. But that's not faith. Where's the faith? The faith is that God is who he said he is and that God will do what he said he'll do and he said he'll comfort if we bless. Faith doesn't mean that you're always saying my circumstance looks like that, but I won't admit it because I have faith. My spouse just left me, but I won't admit it because I have faith. I'm just gonna keep saying that God's bringing him back. Well, maybe, they, maybe they're gone. 
I lost my job, but God's giving me a better one. You may not get a better job next month, but faith can't let me say that. I'm going to keep believing it. Maybe that's not going to happen. But faith is that God is who he says he is, and that he's going to comfort you. He's going to pick you up. He's going to help you. He's going to give you peace. He's going to lead you through the storm. Grief gives us permission to rest. Constant positivity is a false peace, and it's a very heavy burden that we were just never meant to carry. We're not meant to carry it. We're not meant to always go around saying everything's great. See, just what Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. When you have weight on your shoulders, a burden on your shoulders, when you have a reason to be grieved or to mourn, you have stresses going on and Jesus says, you know what, come and I'll give you rest. Why? Because we need it. I was driving Kira the other day, driving her home. And you should, if you have kids, listen to them. Jesus is out of the mouth of babes, and we're like, well, if they ever get up at a mic at church and prophesy, I'll listen to that. No, God is talking through kids all the time if we slow down and listen. We're just driving along, and she's talking about getting bigger. She's like, am I an adult yet? I'm like, you got a little ways to go, kid. A little ways to go. And she's like, Dad? I'm like, yep. She's like, when I'm asleep, am I still growing? And I said, yeah, you are. Wow. I just hear that out of the back seat. Wow. And I'm like, wow. And right away, God's like, you're growing even when you're resting. You're growing even when you're resting. The Bible says, in vain we rise up early and go to bed late, eating the bread of anxious toil, for God gives rest to those he loves. It's he that works in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Grief is coming to God saying, I don't understand how to fix this. I don't know how to change everything. I don't know how to save Israel. I don't know how to save the kids. I don't know how to save this thing or that thing. Or do. I don't know. I'm just living here in Pflugerville, Round Rock, Liberty Hill. Where, I'm, I'm just living here. I don't know how to do all this. I can barely take care of my own family. And you get up in the morning to do the things that you can do and then to be able to rest. Say, Lord, I trust you. But I'm waiting on you. When you give me direction, I'll move. But I also can rest. And so it's this heart and this desire and this belief that God can give rest. Grief connects us in genuine love. When Jesus saw her weeping, this is in John chapter 11, it says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And it says, Jesus wept. They were weeping, they were mourning, they were grieving. And here Jesus walks in and he doesn't say, hey guys, it's gonna get better. Hey, be encouraged. Hey, lift up your head. Hey, look to heaven. Hey, God is in your midst. Be glad. Enter his presence with thanksgiving. He doesn't say that. He sees their weeping. He sees their struggling. And he just walks in and he sees it and he does what? He weeps. He weeps with them. He cries with them. He hurts with them. He's not trying to fix it. Sometimes we're too busy trying to fix everything that we don't have time to just stop and rest and let God work on fixing it. Let God work on healing it. Let God work on doing it. Because we've got to fix it. We've got to have an answer. And it's okay sometimes to just be in humility and say, I have no answer for that. But man, it hurts. It grieves me. I'm praying for it. It makes me sad. If God gives me a direction on something to do, I'm going to do it. But I don't know how to handle that. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. When Jesus weeps, it says, and then the Jews said, check this out. This is what it, this is what it taught them about him. He'd already been walking with them. He'd already been doing healings. He'd already been doing all these things. But when they saw him weep, this is what their answer was. See how he doing that caused them to really see his love. It wasn't all the fixing Jesus was doing that caused them to really see his love. It showed his power. 
showed his, his abilities, but when they saw that his heart could break with their heart, they said, he loves. Look how he loves. Sometimes people need to see that we love. Not just that we have answers, but that we just love. And sometimes we need to be loved. In order to do that, we have to let people know that we don't have answers. And I just need you. And when they try to give us answers, say, stop, I'm not asking for answers. Just love me. It's okay to tell someone that. Stop, I don't need answers. I just need you to love me. But I appreciate it. But it helps us do that. Grief connects us to God's healing care. The Lord is near to the broken hearted and he saves the Christian spirit. He heals the broken hearted and he binds up their wounds. Grief is necessary for us to fulfill the law of love. Jesus answers and he says, love the Lord. He's talking about the greatest laws. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, how do you do that? Well, it tells us in Galatians, bear one another's burdens and so what? Fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus says these are the laws to love. And then in Galatians, he says, bear each other's burdens so that you can love. Well, how can you bear burdens if people aren't openly, outwardly expressing that there's a struggle? They have to be able to share it. They have to be able to put it out there. Grief empowers our weakness with God's strength. This is also in Galatians. He says, uh, three times I pleaded with the Lord. Actually, this one is not. I think I got a typo there on the verse. But three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. This is Paul talking. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God's power comes into our weakness when we have the humility to say, I've got weakness. I've got a weakness. I've got a struggle right now. It's hard sometimes. It's a challenge. And I just need help. And if we can all together trust God to be at work in fixing those things and not feel like we have to be the fixer, I don't want to be around that person, man. They have, they've got stuff going on. It's going to bring me down. It brings us down the most when we feel that we're the ones responsible for fixing it and we don't have an answer. But what if we just get together and we just right off the bat say, you know what, I don't have an answer. But I'll love you. I'll care for you. I've had people in my office who share something with me and they look at me and they're waiting for an answer. And I just, I've just said, I sit there and I go, I don't have an answer. I don't know how to fix that. And they look at me and go, you don't? <laughs> I'm like, I don't. But I love you. I'll pray with you. And we just pray and we seek God. He's the answer. He can lean into her. He's always the answer. And we can be glad and rejoice that his grace is with us and we can lean into it, not just individually, but together. Let's lean into this together. God is good. And he's working on our behalf and it hurts in this moment, but he's good. If you read, I'm not gonna do it today, but if you go and you read Luke 23, 31 to 43, if you write that down, if it's something that you wanna go and look at, is Jesus talking. And it kind of walks through some of these things of how Jesus was on the cross going through great grief and great suffering. And if you just read that passage and just pray and say, Lord, how did you handle this grieving situation? It's amazing. He acknowledges it. He acknowledges that his mother is left alone and he wants somebody to be with her. He's grieving over his mother. He's grieving over the people. He's grieving that his father has left him and abandoned him, he feels. And then he's also grieving because the sinners are killing him. And he says, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He's literally grieving and voicing out loud his concern for every person around him as he's dying on the cross and going through his own grief and suffering. Somehow in God's power and strength in the midst of our own suffering, in our own situation, God can still use us 
to also bring comfort and care for others all the time, even when we're going through it. I don't know how that works. It's only God. It's miraculous. It's what he does. So we're going to break right now, and we're going to take just a few minutes to pray. We try to spend time every, every service and praying. If you're new here, it's, we're a community. We're not a show. And so the idea is that we come together, and we learn, and we grow, and we pray, and we actually connect together. And this is what I want us to pray together. There's a lot of things going on in the world that can bring grief. Terrorist attacks on Israel and all the people that were, if you saw any videos on that, just those brutal attacks, things going on. Now there's a war going on. Innocent people will be trapped in that war. That's horrible. There's all kinds of things happening. There's stuff going on in Ukraine. There's stuff going on here. There's stuff going on with sex trafficking. And there's stuff going on in your own lives. There's all these things. It's like, well, let's just ignore it. There's things going on. And so we're just going to go into prayer huddles, find four or five people. There's people going through loss of a loved one in here. I was talking to uh, somebody here in the church, and their sister just lost their son in a car accident last week. There's, uh, all the time, stuff's going on. And we need God's ability and strength and grace to help us to not just stuff things, but to bring them out, bring them to him and say, Lord, this is hard. We need your help. We need your grace. And then trust that he can move in it. Okay, so let's break up, find some people to huddle with and pray. We're not trying to pray solutions. We're not trying to pray, uh, you know, solutions to world events or to somebody else's problem or issue. We're just getting together in humility. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. He's gonna, through our prayer and through our humility, just bring people some peace today. Okay, so look around. Nobody left alone. We take about five minutes and close out the service this way and then we'll go over and fellowship together. Sometimes we come in and we just dance and rejoice and sometimes we got to come in and just say, Lord, I'm going through something. Here's the thing I'm going to tell you, one more instruction. If you're going through a hard time and you need to express some grief and ask for prayer, please don't just get in that circle and say everything's wonderful. Open up your heart and allow God to work in your situation. Amen, amen, amen. I, uh, I appreciate today's message. Uh, I remember uh, when, when we were walking through what we walked through with Eliana and, and the many other times that I've, you know, walked through, we've walked through things happening. You know, there was, there was a, you know, I heard all the Christianese around me sometimes you know, saying to rejoice or to not grieve, to not mourn, to not feel it. But the natural thing is, you know, I, I believe God gave us emotions, right? And uh, I believe that we, we, we live in this fallen world, and so it naturally it's going to happen. And I think, you know, the blessedness, the happiness does come from true mourning and the ability to be transparent, the ability to to grieve, to cry, to... Seek and know that God is right there with you through it. You know, there, there, was a, there was a time where I believed in hope for Eliana's healing. And there was also a time, I know we live in this world where everybody does go and does pass. And it, it was tough. It was tough and it was really tough to grieve. Um, but it is important to grieve. It is important to mourn. Um, Lord, I just thank you, God, that you did give us emotions, God. And, and Lord God, that as we go through the things in this life, Lord, the things that will come and, and try to sweep us off our feet, God, that as we press into you, 
as we know that you are there next to us and with us as a shoulder to cry on, as a, as a comforting hands, God. Lord, we thank you. And Lord God, I pray that you would just help us to understand those truths, to walk in those truths, and to share those truths with others, God, and to, to mourn and, and be a shoulder for others in your name. Lord God, I just thank you. Just send us out this week, God, and, and may we just uh, be a blessing everywhere we go, Lord God. And uh, just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we, uh, we, have some, we, we can gather over there in the hall. Uh, I think there's some snacks, maybe some food. I smelt some food. So, you know, go and show each other over there. And, hey, if, 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 if you got something that you're mourning and grieving about, share it with a friend. Let's, let's grieve. Let's pray together and, and uh, carry each other's burdens. All right. the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.